Uh, earlier this week, I got a phone call and picked up the receiver, and it was Cinda Makis crying. Cinda hardly ever calls me. She never calls me crying. And I said, Cinda, what's wrong? And she said, uh, a friend of Dane's, we've, we've just learned, has died. He's like 18 years old, and he's there at U- University Medical Center. Would you please go up and comfort the family? So I said I would do what I could and uh, hung up and went up to the room. He was in the pediatric intensive care unit. And I didn't know the family at all. I uh, just kind of sneaked in the door a little bit and introduced myself and said that Cinda had called and told me. And uh, they said that their pastor was in the hospital and on the way to the room. So I I felt very good about that. And sure enough, he arrived shortly thereafter. When he arrived, the family, who I think had been kind of uh, stealing themselves, they immediately broke down, started crying. Uh, that's what I have observed uh, in the presence of death many times. That when I come on the scene as a chaplain, the family is often uh, strong and they're stealing themselves, and then a precious family member arrives from out of town or they've just heard and they've just gotten to the hospital and immediately the family starts bawling. It's, they know that um, that person is a safe place for them to vent their grief, perhaps their anger. We have in this passage probably the most dramatic uh, death and mourning situation depicted in Scripture. Uh, It's especially difficult for the sisters because they had called Jesus days before when Lazarus was sick to please come and heal him, and he didn't come. He just sent this message saying that This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And Jesus didn't come. And Lazarus did die. And there didn't seem to be any any glory in it at all. And finally, Jesus arrived four days later. We have a little picture of what um, mourning and death was like at this time 2,000 years ago by what we see in this passage It's been four days, and yet family and friends and mourners are still there. It's been four days, and they're still there, and they're mourning. This is so foreign to our culture. Uh, We don't, death has become so antiseptic in our culture, and we put people who are dying away in places where we won't see them dying, and and family, they're not in the family home often, and the whole family is not gathered around or friends. Uh, very rarely in the hospital will I see where a large family has come to surround the deathbed 
and there is uh, singing. <laughs> Probably uh, the best example of that was a man uh, who was a Christian who went to uh, Casa Sadobe's Baptist Church, and the men from his men's group came when he was dying, and they sang. <laughs> they sang in his room. All his favorite Christian songs. This is a great puzzle for the sisters, and they don't understand what's going on. They, we see from Martha's response that she still loves the Lord, she still respects Him, she still believes in Him, but she can't understand. And He comes to the outskirts of the town, but doesn't come in. And we're not sure why. We know that the last time Jesus left, he was almost stoned yet again. And so he may not want to go into the town and risk um, that danger again. We're not sure what the reason is. But Martha hears that he's here, and she goes out to meet him and says, Lord, if, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. So we see this faith that Martha has in the Son of God, uh, probably not thinking that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead because it's been four days. We have evidence from uh, the second century A.D. that the Jews believed that the soul hovered around the dead body for three days and after that departed. And this is four days later. So we don't know if that belief was uh, present at this time in this situation, but it may have been that the Jews felt uh, not only is Lazarus dead, but his spirit is gone forever. He's begun to decompose, and he's truly dead, which is likely the reason that Jesus came four days later that there was no dispute that Lazarus had truly died. There was no way that he could be resuscitated. He had begun to decompose. We know in verse 39 later that we'll be looking at that uh, Martha was reluctant when Jesus said to roll the stone away because it had been four days and he had begun to smell. So Lazarus had begun to decompose. And... We have a reversal here in this passage of John's typical procedure. Typically, in the six signs that we've seen so far displayed up to this point in John, um, the demonstration of the sign and then Jesus explaining it afterwards to help them understand. Here we have a reversal, and Jesus is explaining what is about to happen before it happens. And he's doing that with Martha and helping the readers. John is helping the readers to understand what is about to happen. And so uh, Jesus says, uh, we're in uh, verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, Martha says, yeah, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day, which was the feeling of most Jews at this time from the teaching of the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection, and there would be a resurrection on the last day. 
Um, there's been evidence found from the first century of the um, Jews' belief in uh, the resurrection. And we know from Daniel, if you want to turn there with me, Daniel chapter 12. Daniel 12, beginning with verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So we see in the book of Daniel this understanding of a resurrection that was going to happen. And Jesus had been talking about this in his teaching, that there was going to be a resurrection. But the big difference in Jesus' teaching was he said, I will raise them on the last day. And so it wasn't going to be this thing that God did because he wanted to tell them, I'm God in the flesh, and I will raise them up on the last day. And so uh, Martha's, you know, feeling that Jesus must be comforting her with this general comfort that all the Jews have, that there's going to be a resurrection on the last day. But Jesus goes on in verse 25 to explain, I am the resurrection and the life. This is the another one of the I am statements, the great I am statements of Jesus in the book of John, where he says, I'm the bread of life, I'm the living water, I'm the door, I'm the good shepherd, um, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And here he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And again, Jesus is pointing out that it's not uh, an event that God is interested in. It's a person, and that person is Jesus. So we're not looking towards the event of our own resurrection. We're looking to the resurrection that we experience in Jesus, and Jesus says that it begins the moment you come to trust in me as your Lord and Savior. You will experience this new life, this resurrection life, as soon as you confess me as your Savior. And so he's helping Martha and us to understand uh, what life is all about. Life is not just this life that we live here where we're stumbling through our day-to-day trials, trying to make ends meet, uh, trying to, um, to struggle along. Life in Christ is the sure hope that we have Not only that we will rise again as we see Lazarus rise from the dead and then Jesus himself rise from the dead and that we too will have a resurrection body, immortal, invincible, invincible. All those people that want to be superheroes? Yes, we've had the Henry kids staying with us for the last three days and uh, I'll tell you, Noah wants to be a superhero. Um, But you and I will be immortal, invincible. 
I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Okay, so there we get a, you know, again, a taste that yet shall he live. And so Lazarus will live again sometime. We have that sure hope that he'll live again. There will be a resurrection, but we don't clearly understand when. And he says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So that those who come to know Christ as their Savior are dead in their trespasses and sins, made alive, resurrected again in Christ. So even though they may sleep like Lazarus is sleeping now in the tomb, he will live again. I love that imagery. We caught it in Daniel when Daniel talked about people sleeping in the grave, in the dust. And Jesus said to the disciples when he heard that Lazarus was sick, uh, this sickness is not unto death. Uh, And then he waits two days. Well, let's go to Judea again. I I need to wake Lazarus up. And the disciples say, well, Lord, if he's asleep, he'll recover. I love that imagery, and the uh, apostles pick up on it throughout the rest of the New Testament, and we see Paul and others uh, referring to death as sleep. And so we have this promise that when we believe in Christ, we will never die. Though we may sleep, we are yet alive. Paul says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. It's an immediate thing. We walk through a door in death. There's no purgatory. There's no waiting. There's no pain for our sins. Praise God, that's impossible. It's a, it's a doorway. And Jesus said, I am the door. And we walk with him through that door of death into eternal life. Something that we taste of even now, those of you who know Christ as your Savior. He says to Martha, do you believe this? Well, Martha and us have a lot in common. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then there is much about him that you understand and believe in. But there is much that we don't understand. And so she says, yes, Lord, I believe. And then look at this incredible confession she makes. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Uh, That ranks right up there with all of the great statements of faith that we see in Scripture. When Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he says, uh, Who do men say that I am? And they tell him, well, some think you're a great prophet, and some think you're Elijah. But who do you think I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. We hear Nathaniel when Jesus tells him that he saw him sitting under the tree. He says, you are the Christ. And we have all of these great confessions in the New Testament. And here is Martha, right up there, understanding much of who Jesus is, and yet not completely. That's where you and I are. There's much that we don't understand. And 
Jesus says, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, I believe. You are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. And yet, when he comes to the tomb, we'll see next week, and he says, roll the stone away. Martha says, Lord, don't do that. He smells. He's been in there for four days. So she does not believe that he's going to raise him from the dead. So when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher's here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. You know, much is made of this difference between Martha and Mary by some, uh, that Martha is the aggressive one and she's the, the doer, and uh, Mary is the kind of the quiet, meek one, and she's the one that's sitting We don't know the circumstances surrounding the situation. We don't know if Mary had heard that Jesus had arrived and was purposely ignoring him. We just know that it's appropriate during mourning for Jews to sit. They sit and mourn for days. And so uh, when she does hear, she gets up quickly and goes to meet Jesus. And the uh, many Jews that are there, and it's important that these people are mentioned. Uh, it's, it shows later that there are going to be many witnesses at the resurrection of Lazarus. And so, in the beauty of this tapestry that God is weaving, and we have this, all of these events being weaved together, Jesus remains where he was for two days, Lazarus dies, they're evidently a wealthy family. They have many people come. It's mentioned that Bethany is near Jerusalem, so the implication is that many of these people are coming from Jerusalem, that Lazarus, Martha, and Mary are well known. We know in chapter 12, just a few verses uh, later, that Mary, Lazarus' sister, brings this very expensive container of perfume to anoint his body. Well, that's not something that your average person would have uh, access to. So it appears that this family is well-off and well-known, and it's all being brought together by God to bear on this situation. And so many Jews are there. They're going to witness the resurrection of Lazarus. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And so we have this large entourage that's coming out with Mary to meet Jesus outside of the town. And then we're going to see next week that they then go all together to Lazarus' tomb for the most amazing event. Death is something that as Christians we struggle with. We may know in our hearts that absent from the body, we're present with the Lord, that we're going to be in heaven, that we're going to be with the Lord, that it's going to be a better place, and the older you are, the more you know that, it's going to be a better place than this earth that we live in. 
It's going to be a wonderful thing. We're going to have brand new bodies. We're going to be with people that we love and care about. And the challenge now is to live a life that's pleasing to him and to pray for those who don't know him. Why would you not want to be raised from the dead and be given a new body? Again, we look back at Daniel chapter 12 and we see that everyone was raised, uh, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting punishment. I know that many of you have friends and family that have yet to commit themselves to the Lord. And there may be some of you here today in this place that have not done that. Uh, there, There is no greater gift offered than the gift of abundant and eternal life, but it's only possible through Jesus Christ who suffered on the cross for you, paid the penalty that you owed in your sin against God, and then proved that all this was true by rising from the dead and then going up into heaven to sit at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And one day he's coming back. And those who are asleep in the Lord will rise to meet him in the air. What a glorious day that will be. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? As much as God has given you wisdom to understand, believe, go forth, and serve the Lord in his power and strength. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, stumble and fall often, every day. Though we love you and consider you precious, yet we get caught up in our own sin and selfishness. We hurt those we love, we hurt those around us, we hurt you, and we hurt ourselves. And Lord, we pray that you would forgive us, strengthen and encourage us, help us to live lives that are pleasing to you. We pray for those that we know that do not know you. They do not have that hope of rising from the dead. They don't have the present hope that we have abundant and eternal life. Lord, we pray for family and friends who don't know you. And we pray for those here who may not know you, that you would open their minds and their hearts to see and understand that only in Christ can they have the gift of eternal life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.